The readings from Mark, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralysed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat, the man lying on it. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralysed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He, he got up, took his mat, walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And uh, Karam, it's such a privilege to be here to open God's word with you and with uh, you all here. So let's pray to God for his help as we do that. Lord God, we come here to look at this parable from your word, uh, this uh, miracle of Christ. And we know that even had we been there in person, it would have taken faith for us to believe what Jesus had done and to understand it. And it would have taken your grace. So we pray for those things this afternoon. We pray for your help to believe and to understand. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Well, this, we're really sort of going but right back to the beginning because um, Karam here is being baptized into the Christian church. The Christian church is a group of people who follow Christ, another name for Jesus, who was a man who 2,000 years ago made an extraordinary claim said something surprising. A few years ago, I was at a Christian conference at, at Spurgeon's Church. It's a big church in London that holds a few thousand people. So the crowd was gathering, and I was sitting in my place waiting to, for this conference to start. And I got chatting to the lady next to me. Just chatted about the weather, you know, and I found out her name was Deborah. I said I was Sam. And um, found out she was from Germany. I said I was from Guernsey. And then I said, so what do you do? And she said, I play double bass in the London Symphony Orchestra. I was like, whoa, I'm sitting next to somebody quite special here. The first time somebody mentions something like that, it makes you sit up, doesn't it? You think, wow, this person is, is not your average person. I'm sitting next to someone quite special. I didn't really know what to say after that. And in this story today from Mark's Gospel, Jesus says something that should make us sit up and think, whoa, 
I wasn't expecting that. This person is actually quite amazing. Now, Jesus has already been introduced to us if we were reading Mark's gospel from the beginning, but we haven't heard this yet. And it's in verse 10 of our reading. I know a lot of you don't have Bibles, but that's okay. I'll read it for you. Jesus says, I want you to know that the Son of Man, talking about himself, has authority on earth to forgive sins. Now, that doesn't come across as that surprising to us because we don't live in that time. But think, if you were a Jewish person, as Jesus was, and you know that for thousands of years, people have been bringing animals to the temple at the time. And they've been killing those animals because they knew they had a problem with God and it was costly. And so day after day, these animals would die in the place of the person who came to the temple to worship. And they knew time after time they went to the temple and they thought, I have such a big problem with God, this animal is dying in my place so that I can come to God. He's done that again and again. And then you stand in front of a person who says to you, I have authority on earth to forgive your sins. You can forget the animal sacrifices. They're not needed anymore. I have authority to forgive you. Now, the way Jesus reveals this fact about himself is really exciting. So I'm going to walk us through the story, and I hope you'll share the excitement of it. Let me read the first couple of verses. We see a man coming to Jesus with a problem. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So he's there teaching. We don't know what it was that he was teaching. We don't know what it was that he was teaching. But that's not the point here. Instead, we're introduced to a man with a problem amongst this crowd. Some men came bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Now we can easily understand his problem, can't we? Because people can still be paralyzed today. Think about back in those days. If he was paralyzed, his family would probably have picked him out of bed each day, taken him up, placed him in the street, and he would have begged there all day. And this is Israel, it's hot, so you know, maybe in the shade, but he's sitting there all day in the dust, begging. That man had no hope at all. He would never be able to take a stroll around the marketplace. He would never be able to go for a swim in the Sea of Galilee. It would be difficult for him to make friends. He'd probably never get married. He could never get a job. It's a pretty hopeless situation. But he and his friends have heard that there's a man in town who can heal sick people. And so here we're introduced to them coming to Jesus. Let me read again. Since they could not get the man near to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now every Christian has a story of how they came to Jesus. We've been privileged to hear, to hear Coram's story today. For the paralyzed man, that story involved being lifted up by four friends, them smashing through the roof, and him being lowered down in front of Jesus. So I imagine all of our stories are a little bit different to that. But one thing that all of our stories have in common is faith. These men in the story believed that Jesus was the answer to their friend's problem, and they came to him. And Mark draws our attention to this by saying, when Jesus saw their faith, he acted. Faith is the key there. A few years ago, I was doing a, a mission in, a, in Oxford. I was uh, on, the, on the streets preaching about Jesus. And one of the questions we had to be ready to answer was, what is faith? Because it's all very well saying, put your faith in Jesus. But what does that mean? And we actually used this story to demonstrate what faith is. Faith is believing that Jesus is the answer to the problem and then coming to him. It's as simple as that. Believe and come. And so some of you here are probably just starting to explore the Christian faith. And for you, the message is all that's required is believe and come. Believe that Jesus is the answer to your problem, your problems, any problem that you might have, and come. But a lot of us here have already put our faith in Jesus. And the wonderful thing about this story is it gives us some great encouragements about faith. Because a lot of the questions that go around my mind are things like, what if my faith isn't strong enough? Or, you know, I've got faith, but I've really got nothing to offer God. So is faith really enough? This group of friends could only offer Jesus their paralyzed friend. They only came to Jesus with problems. And in fact, actually, the paralyzed man couldn't even come to Jesus on his own. He needed friends to carry him. And sometimes we need a bit of encouragement from each other. When we're at home, perhaps we're on our own, We've had a busy day at work or whatever, and we just think to ourselves, what difference does the Christian faith really make in my life? I can't see any difference. That's why we're all together, because sometimes we all need our friends to carry us to Jesus. We can't quite get there on our own. But also, these men, these friends, they came crashing through the roof in front of Jesus. Now, I imagine if I climbed onto Bernard and Rosie's roof now and smashed a hole in it, they'd probably be quite cross. But <laughs> Jesus wasn't angry with these people for doing what they did. They made a really terrible entry in, into Jesus' presence, but he was just pleased that they had come. And so sometimes when we're praying, we think, I don't know what I'm going to say. I, metaphorically, it's like I'm crashing through the roof, and won't Jesus be angry with me? But he isn't. He's just pleased that we've come to him. He's so gentle with us. And so we see this group of men coming to Jesus in faith. I wonder what they expected him to do. I wonder if they expected him to sort of lean down and grab the man by the shoulders and say, you're healed and lift him up and he'd walk out. 
But Jesus just says to the man, son, your sins are forgiven. Maybe uh, if you're like me, you'd be standing there thinking, what? This man has an obvious problem. He's paralyzed. What is Jesus doing? But Jesus recognizes that the man also has a far less obvious problem, but it's more serious. He is a sinner. Do you know that sin is our biggest problem? We've offended our creator God. God deserves our worship. He deserves our respect. If you look at the trees around, you know, the wisdom involved in creating this universe, the meaning that exists within the universe, this is all the product of a mind beyond anything we could dream of. God deserves our respect. He deserves our adoration and attention. But we sin, which means we put ourselves first. We don't care about God. And we do things that we shouldn't do. It's a broken relationship. And that problem is an even bigger problem than being paralyzed. I don't know if we fully grasp that. And I'm, I'm not making light of paralysis when I say that, because I know people who are paralyzed, and I know how awful it is. I'm not making light of paralysis. I'm saying this is how serious sin is. But Jesus is the most wise and caring saviour, and he deals with the biggest problem first. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. But as you know from when Hazel read it, when he says that, there are some people in the house who get very upset. Let me read that to you. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Here are some teachers of the law. They're the religious, religious leaders who studied the Jewish law given to Moses. And they know that for thousands of years, animals have been killed as sacrifices to God so that God can forgive sins. And they say, who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Which is true. If I offend Bernie, only Bernie can forgive me. You can't do it for him. If I've offended God, only God can forgive me. None of you can do it for him. So they say that Jesus is blaspheming. We often think of blaspheming as just using God's name in a, in a way that's disrespectful. Jesus Christ, that kind of thing. But blasphemy can also be imitating God. Um, a few years ago, there was a man in Tesco um, and he saw a policeman and went up to him, just gave him loads of abuse to his face and was shouting and swearing at him. And the policeman did nothing about it. He said, you know, calm down, but he just walked away. But in 2011, another man put blue flashing lights on his car and pulled over a motorist. He was pretending to be a policeman and he went to prison. It's a much more serious thing to be impersonating a policeman than just to be insulting them. And if it's so much more of a problem to impersonate a police officer than to insult them. How much more is it a problem to impersonate God for, you know, us, a human being? It's arrogant, isn't it? 
So these religious leaders say Jesus is blaspheming. This is just arrogance. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. So let's see what happened next. Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up, take up your mat and walk. Which of those options is easiest? It's easiest to say your sins are forgiven, isn't it? Because there's no way of telling if anything's happened. Let me just get something over here. Got breakfast here. What was breakfast? Now, it's easier for me to say to you, I'm going to turn the air in this jar into pure oxygen. In fact, I've actually already done it. There we go. I have pure oxygen in this jar. Thank you. <laughs> Much easier for me to say that than to say, before your eyes, this jar is going to turn into a spoon. Because there's no way that you can tell that this has happened, right? But now, watch in amazement as I turn this jar into a spoon. There's nothing up my sleeves, right? Okay, well, I can't do it, as you probably expect. <laughs> I know that Bernie could, so I've got to be careful what I say. But obviously, <laughs> easier for me to say something that's invisible. But has there been a change? You know, when Jesus says, son, your sins are forgiven, is he just making it up? Or has there been a change? Is, some, is there something real going on here? Jesus wanted people to see that the answer is, yes, there is something real going on here. Because... Jesus, the Son of Man, has authority on earth to forgive sins. This is what happened. Jesus said to them, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took up his mat and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this before. I think if we were standing in that room, we would be amazed. We might even have known the guy. We might have seen him on the street begging. And here he is jumping up, taking his mat and walking out the door. This man is amazing and he's made this amazing statement about himself that he can forgive sins. Now, I want to spend a moment thinking about why Jesus has authority on earth to forgive sins. What's that all about? Because the religious leaders were right. Only God can forgive sins. And this story actually gives us two clues. That the man who lived 2,000 years ago, the man who all these stories are written about, was actually God with us. He was God. Here are those two clues. The first is this. Jesus spoke and things changed. When the paralyzed man was lowered in front of Jesus, we read, when Jesus saw, he said. Then his response to the religious leaders was, which is easier, to say or to say something? And then what happens? He said to the paralyzed man. Jesus says something, 
and stuff happens. When we see this, we're supposed to be reminded of another person who said, some, said something and things changed. Because right at the start of the Bible, we read, God said, let there be light. And there was light. So God spoke and things changed. Here we read, Jesus said, I tell you, not this is what the Lord says, not the kind of prophetic, thus says the Lord, but I say to you, take up your mat and go home. And the man got up, took up his mat and walked out. Jesus spoke and things changed. In other words, Jesus is God because he does what God does. Which brings us on to our second clue, which is something else that God does. Jesus knew their thoughts. In verse 8, we read, immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. Listen to this verse from the Old Testament. The Lord searches every heart and understands every desire and every thought. And I've got in front of me here a list of seven other, seven other verses which teach exactly the same thing, that God knows what we're thinking. Pretty scary thought. And Jesus knew their thoughts. In other words, Jesus is God because he does what God does. I used to keep my arms down by my side when I walked until a caring and loving friend told me I should probably swing my arms. So I sort of walk around like this. And he said to me, Sam, do you realize you walk like that? You probably better swing your arms when you walk. So now I've relaxed. But the point was when somebody saw me in town, they saw this person walking like this. It doesn't matter how close they were to me. They knew who it was because they knew that I walked like that. To use that picture, when we see Jesus walking, we recognize it because we've seen somebody else walking like that before. We've seen God walking like that in the Old Testament. Jesus is God because he does what God does. He's walking in the same way. But we also get this little title of Jesus here, the Son of Man. And that's because Jesus wasn't just God, he was also human. There didn't seem to be anything strange about him until you got talking to him, or until he did something. The son of man, that means the son of a human. It means he was human. <laughs> the human. He was no ghost or spirit. This was, this was a man. And as you probably know, this is just the beginning of Jesus' life when this happened. And later in the story, something happens that probably no one expected. Everyone saw that this was an amazing man, and they probably thought he had a great future ahead of him. And he did, in a strange sort of way. He was put to death on a cross and died with two criminals next to him. So the man who was God died to take away the sin of the world. Jesus' purpose was to be like those animals that were brought as sacrifices to the temple day after day after day. To die in our place so that we could be forgiven. And it's because he did that that he can say, son, your sins are forgiven. He can say that to all of you today. Jesus says, your sins can be forgiven.
So I'm going to finish there, and I just want us to think about how amazing this message would have been the first time people heard it. It was so amazing that they probably wouldn't have believed it at first. If I, you know, when um, I was sitting next to Deborah at this conference, Deborah, the lady who plays double bass in the London Symphony Orchestra, she'd said that. I might not have believed her. I might have thought that she was joking. But then if she picked up a double bass and played, I'd soon have believed. And there's only one way for us to know that Jesus really is who he says he is. And that is faith. Believe and come. But then once you have come, you see more and more amazing things about this man. We're about to witness a baptism, and uh, a baptism is a visible sign of something invisible that has happened. We don't have Jesus physically with us today to raise a paralyzed man from the dead. But we still need to believe that when he speaks and there's nothing we can see that's happened, something real has happened. And so that's an encouragement for all of us here who are Christians, maybe you've been Christians for years, and what we're asking ourselves is, what should I be feeling as a Christian? I don't feel like anything real has happened. Baptism is God's mark for us. It's his sign, it's his gift to us to show us that if you have believe that Jesus is the answer to your problem and come to him, then your sins are forgiven. And ahead of you, there is an amazing future in his presence. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, as we come to the baptism now, we don't witness a miracle in the same way that we would have done had we been in this room when you healed the paralyzed man. But Lord Jesus, move us to believe that something real has happened in our hearts when we have come to you. And may we celebrate this moment together, this moment of your grace. Amen.